Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who came not to be served, but to serve. Our sermon text comes from Mark 12, 41. And Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put large sums And a poor widow came in and put in two copper coins, two mites. And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty. She, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Yes, out of her poverty, she put in her whole livelihood, her whole savings. Now, I reference this passage for a few reasons. One is to think about these two mites that she offered. Obviously, it's just a tiny bit of money, a fraction of a penny by today's standards. A mite, a single mite is worth, we think, about a fourth of a penny, or I'm sorry, an eighth of a penny. So two of them together would make up a fourth. So cut a penny into four pieces, she gave one of those pieces. That's the amount of money that she gave, just a fraction. But it's all that she had. Her donation was made with a grateful heart. It was made out of love. She gave to support the temple, God's house, a place of worship and learning. It's likely where she found her solace, her support, her connection to the Lord. Like many Jews, the temple was the foundation to their faith, to her faith. And her, lo- her donation was made to support that which brought her joy. So I mention this passage also as an example for us all, a challenge and reminder of our opportunity to give back that which the Lord has first given us. For the church today, like the temple then, is dependent upon donations of its members to survive. I also mentioned this passage to tip our collective hats again to the LWML, the Lutheran Women's Missionary League, because all the mites that they collect, these little boxes that have been around for several decades now, for people to take home and put your own pennies and change in for the purposes of supporting missions. And through the years, millions of dollars have been collected that way in one mite at a time to support our church. Well, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. You see, it's not how much you give, but how you give that matters. And we are told to give with grateful hearts. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, puts it this way. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not out of compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So in giving, be it our treasure, our money, or our talents, we do it because it is what he has first offered to us. Giving should not be done out of guilt 
should not be done to impress others. I'm putting in a 20 today. Nor should it be done to try to gain special favor for God. God, I'm putting in a 50. Well, I gave you the North American continent. A 50 doesn't impress me. You know, it's silly to think that we could impress God by our donations because all that we have belongs to him. We give out of love, respect, and honor for what the Lord has done for us, his work on the cross, his blood shed for us, for our sinful, greedy hearts. Jesus that day was able to look into this woman's heart and determine that she gave out of an act of worship and out of faith, just as he looks in our hearts when we worship. Now, he doesn't expect you to empty your entire savings into the church offering, but he does expect you to participate. We are all called as followers to give some of our time and treasure and talent back to the Lord. We need to make honoring the Lord the most important priority in our lives. Our days should start with prayer. Our days should end with prayer. And prayer should be on our lips throughout the day as we face obstacles and recognize the blessings that we have. In our gospel reading today, a scribe asked Jesus, what is the most important commandment? And of course, you know this. He says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then he says the second and most, most important commandment is, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is clear, if you're going to follow me, there will be burdens in life. There will be difficulties, there will be challenges. But have faith in me, and you will be glad and joyful knowing that your future is secure. Your future with him is forever secure. And it's with that joy we are called to serve him, to speak for him to collect our mites for him, to spend our time with him. Two weeks ago, our epistle reading was from James. You probably remember this. James tells us that faith without works is not faith at all. And even harsher, he says, faith without works is dead. As followers of Christ, it is our calling to give back. Service to the Lord is certainly something all Christians should take to heart, just like our sisters in the LWML. We should dedicate some of our time loving the Lord our God with all our hearts, all our mind, and all our strength, and take some time to serve our neighbors. So I ask you, Look into your heart, into your schedule, into your talents and gifts. What is that special gift the Lord has given you that you could use to serve him? You don't have to wear one of these to serve the Lord. 
You can serve him in your everyday work. You can serve him by helping those around you. You can serve him by doing an honest day's work. You can serve him by growing your children in the church and the Christian faith. What can you do? Remember that God loves a cheerful giver. We can all do something. Our Old Testament reading today from Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel was a prophet during the time that the tribes of Israel had been dispersed. They had been overrun by Assyria and Babylon. Israel was no more. He was telling them, building hope in them, that they will return, have faith. And when you return, you will live abundantly. So God speaking through Ezekiel says this, When you get there, back to Israel, I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant, that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine. And then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord. Let that be known. It is for mine. Be ashamed and confounded of your ways, O house of Israel. You see, what the Lord is saying to the Israelites, what he's saying to us, is that oftentimes in your abundance you may feel guilty of your past. Oftentimes in your abundance you may forget about the Lord. Civilization many times over when we were, had full stomachs and were gainfully employed and not under attack and in good health, we decide we don't need the Lord because look, everything is good and perfect. Don't forget the Lord, Ezekiel says, and end your abundance. Remember what ended you up being dispersed out of your country in the first place your abomination. You know, it's often in abundance that we are less happy. I've seen studies that show that countries, third world countries, when they survey these individuals, however they go about doing that, they score higher on a happiness scale than those in first world countries, even though they have nothing and live in poverty. What Ezekiel is saying is that in our abundance, we should look at our lives and give thanks, repent, and change our ways, and make the Lord and our neighbor important, not just our stuff or our status or our power. And know that in our abundance, all of our abundance, it's a gift from God, not from our own works. God gives us the ability to work, and he gives us what we then have in our lives. You know, for the last, oh, decade or so, I have on a few times served on a United Way distribution committee. I don't know if you've ever had this opportunity or not. They, these subgroups that are locally operated 
local business people and volunteers come together to decide how the, the money that's collected by United Way locally is distributed. And so different smaller charities will apply for the funds and then these distribution groups read those applications and determine if it is in alignment with the mission of the United Way and to give them some of what we have given to United Way. Anyway, my point of the story is what I've come to learn is the people that donate to the United Way, and maybe this is the same for churches as well, but it's the people that make the least amount of money that give the highest percentage to charities. Isn't that interesting? Those who live in poverty often realize that the little they do have is a gift from the Lord, and some that don't live in poverty struggle with what is theirs and what belongs to God. Jesus said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to offer a sacrifice, his own body and blood that we might live and live abundantly. Now, I know we say that all the time. Jesus came for us. Jesus died for us. We are washed in Jesus' blood. Jesus loves me. But when you stop and ponder what that really means, that the Son of the Creator God left his place in heaven and came to this earth, this dirty, sin-filled earth, into a human body full of aches and pains and hunger and sweat and filth, surrounded by people who broke the law and hated him and wanted him dead, and he knew what the outcome was going to be, and he came anyway as a servant to serve us. He came so that his children God's people in God's house and all people on the earth could have a second chance to connect with the Father in heaven that we might have eternal life. The LWML mission statement is serve the Lord with gladness. We can learn a lot from these words. Certainly they mean different things to each one in this room. So ask yourself, how can I serve Jesus? Is it by being a part of a service group like the LWML or one of the men's groups or maybe a, a charity in the community? Is it by volunteering to support the church, to mow the grass or sweep the floor or read on Sunday? Or is it by coaching your kids' soccer game and teaching them how coaches speak and how they're fair and honest and loving and what it means to be a good sportsman? Is it by leading a group of girls and Girl Scouts or just in your home hosting them and being a, a caring mom and friend? However you serve the Lord, however you serve your neighbor, I will leave that to you to wrestle with. But do it with joy in your heart. Serve the Lord with gladness.
In the name of Jesus, amen.